Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Redshaw. Christian, I'm super excited for the guest we have today, uh, Mark Rowan. He's the Chief Executive Officer at Data Sentinel. Uh, Mark, uh, just the two times you and I have talked before, maybe it was once, I can't remember. I loved your energy, so super excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing great, as a matter of fact, but, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. This this is going to fly by, uh, Mark. So (laughs) this will be a really great convo. But I thought for starters, thought we'd start with an easy question. Uh, I would love for you to share the narrative or the journey of Data Sentinel. What led to its creation? You know, who who you serve? Tell us a little bit more about the narrative of Data Sentinel. Sure, absolutely. Um, Myself and my co-founder, Kevin, who's our our CTO, he and I have uh, been in business together for somewhere close to about 20 years. Uh, we both met at IBM and we we spun off from IBM and started a, a consultancy that was focused in the data management space and, and ran that for quite a long time before selling that business. Um, but while we were out there dealing with data challenges in various different kinds of companies uh, throughout North America and Europe, uh, we were using everyone else's technology to try to resolve those types of, of issues around data governance and privacy, data management, master data management, etc., um, and we found there to be a great degree of inconsistencies across what was promised and the expectations of what the technology was supposed to do and the reality of the implementation. So when we were finished our obligations with that business, um, we had the idea of setting up Data Sentinel to build a technology, surrounding it with the capabilities that we had built over those 20-odd years, and bring it to market to try to resolve those issues, um, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in more detail, but that's really how we got to where we are today. That's fantastic. I, I appreciate that. Um, and then when we're talking about you know, companies and organizations, you know, what should they be worried about when it comes to, the, to their data? I'm sure you, know, you can speak to this, but you know, <laughs> or, or, or organizations yeah. probably have different views on their data. Some are maybe super protective of it and, and take security and privacy and the management of it seriously. Others, not so much. I'm curious, again, through your eyes, what is it that companies should be worried about when it comes to their data? Yeah. And we, we've seen, it, depending on the industry and whether it's regulated or not, we've seen uh, it's it's a big, various kind of uh, ecosystem. You're going to have some industries that have really doubled down and invested significantly in things like cyber and data governance, et cetera. And other industries have made minor investments or none at all. Um, because the pressure hasn't been on them over time to be able to do so. One of the things that we do find in common across all uh, businesses is that if they have put in place protections and governance programs and privacy programs, they've tended to hit the easy stuff first, or what we'd consider to be structured data. And they've governed those kinds of assets fairly well over the last, let's call it 10, 15 years. But the area where there's been almost no investment, and it's a bit of a black hole today, is in what we consider to be dark data. And that's really data where there's significant risk because what's in it, but that people don't necessarily know what's in the data, and it has not been governed well. So things like email systems, things like file holder or uh, file systems, um, or systems that are being uh, outsourced to third-party organizations that might be managing that data and that application on behalf of a company. And those areas traditionally have not been well-governed and tend to be areas where there's significant risk. So we see those kinds of variances in the market. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to dive into that uh, a little deeper and kind of hijack Dominic's uh, questions here a sure. little bit. So can you go a little bit more into the pre-existing state of yeah. your clients before they become your clients where they've got all kinds of unstructured and not secured yeah. information all over their organization in transit at rest, all this kind of stuff. Um, what is yeah. the, what is the picture and, and how bad yeah, can it get? <laughs> Yeah, typical scenario. So I'll give you some worst case ones. Why don't we go there? That's Perfect. way more fun than talking about the ones that have been well governed. Um, so pick an industry. An industry does business with a lot of consumers um, and have been doing so for decades. They typically have collected enormous amounts of information about their customers and the prospects that they want to do business with. Typically, that data in oftentimes is global in nature. So it could be collected from consumers from all around the world. Um so there you have now holdings within a particular organization of data that is exposed to um, regulations from different markets around the world. So that's kind of a one common theme we see frequently. Mm -hmm. The other common theme that we do see is organizations that have ticked the box on, on managing and governing their data. In other words, they have policies, but those policies are typically in binders that are up on the shelf that were written 10 years ago. Um, and they were implemented originally, but you know, this is one of those things that if you don't manage and govern those, those policies and implement them and then measure them on an ongoing basis, they typically don't get followed. So that's problem number two that we see all the time on a daily basis. The, the other issues that we do see are consistently uh, around challenges with data quality, which is a slightly different topic, but because we see everything that's going on in the data, we do also identify all kinds of different quality challenges and inconsistencies in data, um, very common phenomena. The other is, as I was stating earlier, uh, data that is not governed in various different kinds of systems. Um, and that can be, and, and is frequently, third-party systems. So it's data that in effect is owned by that organization. And I use that term loosely um, for uh, obviously privacy legislation is suggesting that the company does not own that data. It's owned by you and I, but that they're holding on that data and then they're outsourcing the responsibility of governing and managing that data to a third party company. So it could be a CRM application or an ERP application and you're putting that data into another environment. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for it or the company's responsible for it. So that's a common theme where that data typically is ungoverned or it's been outsourced to somebody else to govern. And, and of course, then sometimes bad things do occur. Those are typical scenarios. The, the other one that I really do want to highlight, especially here in the Canadian marketplace, most companies have yet to implement privacy programs. And now we have new legislation coming into the market that is dictating that you must have a privacy program based on the factors of, of a business that's defined within that particular legislation. So there's a big uphill curve for companies now to address that uh, th those new laws and put in place the programs that are necessary to, uh, to adhere to them. Mark, I, um, I want to just go back quickly to, you know, talking about that concept of dark data. I've never heard that term. I find that fascinating. Um, in terms of I guess, how data is extracted in terms of value for an organization. So there's the, oh, yeah. I guess you know, some organizations, um, are good at extracting the obvious value of, of the data, 
But as a whole, are organizations extracting most value that they can out of the data? Are they doing that right now? What, uh, or can they do a better job, a more efficient job of extracting that, that value? That's another interesting uh, question as well. And it, it, again, the answer is it really does depend. But the vast majority of organizations that uh, we have experience in working with are extracting just the minimum value that is necessary to achieve the outcomes of the business as being defined at that particular point in time. Um, and that, that bridges us into the concept of critical data elements, we, which we can talk about in a second as well. But the idea being that the known data that they've governed well, that might be in a, a structured uh, repository of some kind, it might be in an enterprise data warehouse, are typically the assets that are accumulated and used to help monetize um, those assets within the business or you know, create efficiencies or drive sales to new prospects or cross-sell to existing customers, et cetera, or do great customer service. Those types of data assets seem to be absolutely well utilized. But when you think about the concept of monetization, the organization holds enormous amounts of data that aren't sitting in that enterprise data warehouse. There's a lot of information that's held in call scripts or, or uh, scripts of uh, discussion that happens with customers um, when you're servicing the account, as an example. And a lot of that data tends to be free-flown text. So how do you get access to it? How do you then extract the value out of that? And how can you do that efficiently at scale on massive amounts of data and, and oftentimes that's a problem that is not being solved as of yet because of the scale of the challenge. Um, and of course you need automated technologies to give you the ability to be able to do those kinds of things, which are now in the marketplace, but they're not cheap. So that tends to be a bit of a hole. So Mark, you basically stole the question uh, already that I was about to ask you, but it's good. We're on the right track here. How do you define that critical, uh, most sensitive information for an organization? Well, there's a couple of ways of looking at that. So if we talk about what's a critical data element to begin with, it's, it's basically the data that is necessary for the business to operate. So it's absolutely important to that organization to perform that function uh, for the company. And there's, as you know, obviously many different functions within organizations. That critical data element itself will have quality challenges potentially, There'll be potential um, risks associated with it from a privacy and sensitivity perspective, but in itself, it may not be sensitive. So there's, there's these two primary categories that do overlap that we can talk about. So what are your critical data elements? Where are they? Are you leveraging them? Are you monetizing them to the greatest degree possible? Uh, and again, per my, my previous statement, the answer is generally speaking, no. Companies are extracting a small percentage of the value out of their data, where those critical data elements truly do exist in a lot of other holdings that the company's just not tapping into. Very well said. Now, to the question. Yes, thank you. <laughs> to the question of sensitive data and the overlap associated with that, certainly a critical data element can be sensitive data. Um, but it's not necessarily. So sensitive data could be intellectual property. It could be employee information or salary information, financial information on the business, um, and or traditional types of sensitive information like PII, PCI, PHI. And what is an organization's responsibility to manage those assets and how do they manage those assets given 
where the data came from. Remember, we were talking about, you know, geographically data coming from different regions. Well, all that data that you're bringing in from a different region might require you to follow a different legislative path, like GDPR, if the Europe originated or if the data originated out of Europe. Gets really fun and complicated, but those are the kinds of factors that we talk about with customers every day. Mm -hmm. And so then continuing along that same train of thought, how do you then, how does an organization then look at the risks associated with their data, um, the quality of the data that you alluded to, and that legal and regulatory compliance? When they, once they understand what their sensitive and critical data are, what is the right approach to take on those three big buckets there? Where's that balance, right? So it, it's fun because when we when we talk to customers, we we deal with different constituencies in the client. I, I remember one particular call with a Canadian bank um, where the CISO was on the call, the CIO was on the call, the head of data governance was on the call, and the data privacy officer were on the call. Mm. And each of them obviously has a different responsibility within the organization and views the risk associated with data or the holding of that data differently. You know, one person wants to monetize it. The other person wants to secure it and have nobody have access to it. If they had their way, it would be buckled down and in a safe somewhere and you only one person knew the code. Um, but and again, there's that balancing act that has to be struck. And, and that's where I think most organizations do end up getting into some trouble sometimes where maybe that, that line of the balance is pushed too far one way versus another. So things like you know, ensuring that the cybersecurity program is obviously at a level that it needs to be at, but still allows the organization to do the analytics that they need to do on the data, but doing so in a safe and responsible manner, which might mean obviously using encryption techniques or de-identification techniques that allow the analytics to occur, but without sensitive information flowing into the hands of somebody who maybe should not see that type of detail. Those That balancing act is very difficult to actually put into practice when you start to think about the fact that an organization might have 200 source systems, data in the petabyte level that's distributed all over the organization at third parties. It's a trick. The picture that you paint there of that bank is just quite a wild scene there. And I, you've obviously stepped right into that scenario in that case. And it's probably not the only time that you find yourself in that picture. So, Getting specific with Data Sentinel and looking at the journey that you bring companies through with, from data discovery to, you know, uh, classifying and organizing the data uh, and on to, you know, you're talking about that ongoing uh, monitoring and tracking piece, um, reme- mm-hmm. fixing the issues, remediating the issues at the end, that whole, that whole line. Um, can you take us through that process that you take yeah. organizations yeah. through? Love to. Uh, let's let's paint a scenario where the customer, let's say they don't have a privacy program and they do need to implement one. So maybe that's the the use case that we can focus on. Um, and then you can extrapolate other use cases from that because it's it's interesting what you see in the data and how then you can leverage it for other things. But in the world of data privacy, um, the data privacy officer or the CISO or the CIO, whoever it happens to be that's taking on responsibility for that function, will look at the the legal responsibilities, and they'll want to define policies and procedures on how that organization is going to comply. And you can make choices. You can automate automate some of the stuff that you're going to do, or you can do things manually. If they're going to do the automated, semi-automated route, 
they're going to reach out to an organization like ours, and we're going to recommend that they start off with a data mapping program. And that data mapping program is where we use the technology to automate the discovery of all of the sensitive data, quote unquote, that exists within the organization, of all the systems that are within the scope. Um, and we're going to identify that sensitive data down to the element level. And we're going to identify that data in a cluster. So what other sensitive information is associated with that data? The idea being that Mark Rowan by himself, not all that sensitive, but if my credit card number, my social security number, et cetera, et cetera, is associated with my name, the level of sensitivity goes through the roof. So that's sort of step number one is what's the good, bad, and ugly of what's in your current data relative to the policies and the laws that you want to manage your business against and measure your, your data against. So step number one, what have I got? Who has access to it? What systems is it in? Does it move from this system to that system, et cetera? So a data map of all the sensitive information in the organization. That feeds, and that obviously is all the classifications I should, so don't let me forget that. That's a major topic. <laughs> um, so classifications around sensitive information, what is restricted, what is you know highly confidential, what is public, et cetera, those major buckets of classification, that's all automated. Plus then, what is sensitive to that client? So the journey includes customizing that classification capability and teaching the system about the client's data so that it learns what's sensitive to the client and then tracks and traces all of that uniquely to that business, which is important because every industry is different and every customer is different. They manage their data differently. So that exercise produces that, that good, bad, and ugly. And then that drives that remediation action. So you said you want it to be here. What do we need to do to get the data from the current state to the state where you have achieved um, the, the level you want to get of privacy, sensitivity, quality, et cetera, against your policies and rules? That then feeds your privacy impact assessment. And that's part of what you need to produce as a privacy officer within a company. And that is a detailed set of information that uh, talks about why you collected the data. Who did you collect the data from? Uh, did you get the permission to collect the data? Have you articulated to them why you're collecting the data? Um, if they decide one day to tell you that you no longer are allowed to use that data, can you execute on that efficiently? Can you delete the data of one of these data subjects that you do business with as you need to? So we, we perform all of that kind of function on behalf of the client and give them the ability to produce all of those kinds of outputs, including all the reporting that's necessary for them to prove compliance, prove that they have managed a request that's come in from one of their um, data subjects, um, and gives them the ability to be able to now then govern the data against the policies that I talked about that were originally up on the shelf. Those policies are now embedded in the technology and you can measure the data against those policies in near real time. So that journey takes them from, you know, the good, bad, and ugly to remediate to compliance and the ability for them to be able to then manage those sensitive data assets on an ongoing basis. 
Mark, just that's a privacy use case. Yeah. But yeah, I could talk about a lot of others if you give me time. I love how you break that down and how you think, Mark. I really appreciate that answer. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that I think we need to have multiple episodes with you because there's so many other use cases we need to we need to discuss. And this has just been a fantastic uh, conversation, fantastic episode, Mark. Really appreciate the wisdom and insights that you shared with us and our audience today. This was absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Anytime, please. If you want to dive deeper in any of those topics, you know where to reach me. We'll, we'll definitely take you up on that offer, Mark. Th- thank you again. And uh, Krish and I will take a momentary pause and we'll wrap up today's episode. Well, that was an extremely engaging conversation around, just around data. <laughs> uh, you, people, uh, you wouldn't think that data was such an interesting subject, but people like Mark, I just make it come alive, but uh, I'd love to know what was one of your sort of key highlights or takeaways. Well, I got to be honest with you. I'm still processing the whole conversation <laughs> and I feel like it was just an introduction really to, to further develop these um, concepts. It actually provokes a question in me. We're talking about organizations in North America that are really that have a, a non-existent privacy uh, structure and, uh, you know, a data governance um, I wonder what the reason for that is. I wonder why they're lagging. Do they not realize that it is legally and regulatory, regulatorily, if there's such a word, uh, required of them to do this? Um, I just, I just wonder what the mindset is. Is it because they're not, they're not aware, or is it because they, they don't want to allocate the, the budget and the time for that? Yeah, I, I don't know. And to, to me, like one of the, maybe the reasons I think that, that Mark was, was reasoning, um, interesting around that was that most organizations aren't extracting anywhere near the total value of data that they should be, right? So I think there's just that greater misunderstanding around how to truly uh, see the value in, in data, like you're saying there, around even just regulatory reasons as well. But uh, Mark just hit, it with a, hit us with a wealth of knowledge. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to listen to that one multiple times. 100%. Make sure we, we track with all of that. But our special thanks to uh, Mark, uh, the CEO of uh, Data Sentinel, for, for joining us today. That was absolutely fantastic. And as always, we, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. Uh, if you did happen to miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page and or check out old episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Or better yet, sign up for the Cybersecurity Matters mailing list as well so you'll never miss an episode. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again at some point in the near future at the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.